Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hello and welcome to Book Off, the literary podcast with a difference. I'm Joe Haddo and I'm joined today by two singers and songwriters who both, in their own way, have inspired and delighted me and many others with their unique styles of music and lyrical poetry. My first guest is a columnist, writer, songsmith, who was the lead singer of the auteurs and one third of Black Box recorder Luke Haynes. Welcome to Book Off. Thank you. Lovely to see you. And next to him, an author, guitarist, t-shirt collector and lead singer of Carter, the Unstoppable <laughs> Sex Machine, Jim Bob. Hello to you. Hello. So lovely to have you both here. I've had a I've had a really crap day, and mm. the thought of doing this with you has really put a smile on my face. Oh, well, I wonder, wonder what you're going to say. Then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't often hear that. Really. <laughs> no, it's really it's cheered me up knowing that I was going to be in your company and talking about books and music and various other okay, things. So good. so thank you both for being here, Jim Bob. In the shadow of my former self is your new autobiography, and it's your second. Does it follow on from Good Night, Jim Bob? It follows on exactly where the other one ends. <laughs> so basically the, the first one, I mean, it's the first thing I wrote, or the first book I wrote. So it was really just about a kind of uh, crazy things that happen when you're on tour as a band, uh, minus all the, all the usual stuff. So left out all the drugs and sex, <laughs> which is my excuse for not having been any for 10 years. Uh, uh, and then it kind of ended, and then I sort of had this other various careers, writing books and solo records and disco pop band and mm. kind of things like that. And so then it was more, but all, all the time I was doing that, it was, it was somewhat in the shadow of this former, this former thing. So I was sort of writing about coming to terms with that. Because it was a, a pretty mad decade, if we think about sort of late 80s to late 90s for you, that 10 years was... There's yeah. a lot going on. Yeah, especially the first five years. Yeah, especially <laughs> the first five years. <laughs> the second half of the decade is maybe less fun. But uh, different kind of anecdotes. Uh, yeah, yeah. Whereas with the, uh, you know, with the second one, it was there were there were less. You know, there, there weren't so many of these crazy anecdotes because mm. I hadn't really been very many places. You know, there was nothing to write about. Nothing really happened at gigs as such. So uh, I kind of had to sort of write a lot more about myself and be more sort of, uh, you know, self-analytical. Yeah. <laughs> we'll talk, we'll talk a, bit, a little bit more about that in a moment. This is probably something that a lot of musicians get asked, but did you two ever cross paths in the 90s or, or more recently? No, at all? Well, we, were, we, we only met recently. At a, we, are, we're now, we now reside on um, Cherry Red Records, where I'm, 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 when I'm laughing, I'm saying that. I mean, they would laugh as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's, a, it's a fine roster. Yeah. I mean, at the moment, I think uh, 
uh, currently label mates. I mean, apart from all the kind of old reissue stuff, which is pretty much everything, the new the new acts, as it were, uh, on the label are Hawkwind, uh, Van de Graaff Generator, The Fall used to be, of course, but no no longer, and The Three Degrees. So, Bananarama, are they? And Bana- I, don't yeah. think, I don't think they've recorded anything new. No, but, um, so it's good, it's good. To, but they, what they don't have is an office Christmas party. <laughs> Uh, for the bands, which would be good. Yeah. Um, that would be... Do, yeah, well, it's inconvenient, though, because of where they are, where they're based. Well, I suppose, yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, difficult getting the three degrees over to Gunnersbury. Yeah, yeah. We met at the party, was it their... Uh... Oh yeah, eighty fifth anniversary. It was the it was the hundred hundred eightieth anniversary of Cherry Red. But there were so many people there who. I didn't recognise, but I think they were. They that was used amazing. To, they used to be people. Well, there was a lot. The there's a lot. There's a lot of prog rockers. They were, yeah, and stuff. There, I spoke to. Uh, I, I particularly like um, Gary Brooker from, okay. uh, and I like Procol Harum a lot. So I, I kind of, I, I went up to Gary Brooker and, and introduced myself. Well, not I didn't say I am so and so, but I said I am a big fan of your work. To which he just rolled his eyes. <laughs> Yeah. And sort of wow. said words to the, to the effect of, well, I'm not, you know. <laughs> so I thought I'd just leave it. Um, you released an album last year, another solo record, I Luke. I did, yeah. Um, I sometimes dream of glue. Yeah. And what's the story behind this one? Goodness me, you're asking me about a concept album that was out about eight months ago. Um, it was about a settlement um, just on uh, just off the West Way of people... Uh, diminutive people who were addicted to sniffing glue uh, in the in the motorway sidings it was kind of um due to a kind of uh, an accident in world war 2 container ship of dangerous chemicals that kind of thing that kind of thing yeah indeed. yeah yeah as far as i remember yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. and uh 8 months ago now you're probably eight working months, on something yeah, yeah. something else jimbo you mentioned about the book the, the the autobiography and how you had to be a bit more sort of self analytical um it's very much an exploration of who who you are now and who you were then isn't it did you do you think there are two different gyms um well apparently there are yeah i mean that's what my mum always used to say that but that, it was it was quite simple. It was more that there was the shy gym. It was the kind of normal one, which yeah. is probably I'm sort of midway. I'm quite still quite close to that one at this moment in time. And then there's the sort of the one that's on stage that wishing death on politicians and and you know throwing himself off stage and all that kind of stuff. That always surprises. It's my mum didn't really understand it, so she she always said I had two different two different uh, character personalities. She had about six to be at my mum, but she should know. But uh, yeah, so is there something about that presence on stage? Do you sort of embody something? Is is there something there that makes you be able to wish death on politicians, for example, or yeah, whatever? Maybe I don't know. But I mean, because it's, it's quite, it's quite a, it's almost a cliche, isn't it, that people, people in sort of show business talk about being, uh, you know, shy and terrified of crowds and all the rest of it. But then they go when they go on stage, suddenly it's all you know, all the magic happens and that. So there must be, it must be quite normal. It's not, it's not a sort of, it's not that surprising. I don't think that, to, to me anyway, that when you hear people say that, that are actually, you know, uh, racked with nerves and that before they sort of go on. But it's a bit like authors. I mean, authors sort of often don't like to do the interview thing and do the festival thing because, mm. of course, they sit mainly on their own and they write a book and the book mm. gets published and they think, well, my work is done, people yeah. will, will read it now. And then, of course, people like me go, come and do this thing mm. or talk to me in front of loads of people and often they don't want to do it. Mm. The older I get, the less I, th- less I think about any of the stuff I do. 
Um, I don't really, I don't reanalyze it anymore. I used to kind of analyze stuff when I was a lot younger, uh, you know, and especially when you kind of, when you know you've got to be interviewed about things, you think, oh, okay, I've got to, I've got to kind of have something to say about this. But I don't, I don't know what any of it is. I don't care. Really? Any of it in terms of nah, like don't. anything from your from the earlier no, bands. To no that? idea. No, no idea. It's just all just all just comes out. Let it come out. I say. Yeah. And is that? And is that? Third <laughs> 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 album in. That's the absolutely, old, that's absolutely. What yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Third album in. Yes, it's just a sort of like, yeah. Yeah. And then, but in terms of this is a question for both of you, I suppose you know, in terms of people's reactions to your music, you know, because we get into an act at a certain time and we might love one of the albums, whether it's an earlier or later one or a different mm. project, and, you know, those songs become something to someone. Mm. So when you are constantly making new music or you're writing new things and there's there's often a harking for some of that older stuff, does mm. that is that something you, you don't mind? Do you, do you appreciate that or would you rather just keep looking forward as it were well I think as Jim sort of alluded to about the first five years it's very much I think almost every band probably goes through that to one degree or another that the people because you're sort of new and you're a new thing and the way that sort of you know the way we sort of look at culture or whatever you know is uh, it's it's the sort of like the new thing is the exciting thing uh, and then then you know you kind of get to album number 58 and people are are so slightly less interested even though number, album number 58 might be the masterpiece yeah. I mean I you know early on it was like when the auteurs were kind of you know oddly very big in France bigger than we ever were here for a, for a sort of like the first album and then the second album which was a bit different, deliberately so, on my part. We was we were sort of seen as sort of traitors because <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't. It's like well, you've got the first one. What? What do you want? What? You just listen to it twice. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> you know, and if you want the third one, just then listen to it three times. Listen to the third. I don't know. You know, it's just it's kind of a weird idea to unless you're I suppose unless you're the Ramones, but that's a different. That's the idea of repetition, mm. obviously, which is important. But you know, yeah, it's kind of weird. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I used because I used to say, you know, years ago, when people say, "What's you know, what's what's your best record or whatever," mm. and I'd say, "Oh, you know, it's the new one." Yeah. But, but sort of recently, I've realised that it is. Yeah. You know, in a way, the best the best ones are those ones. So, you know, with Carter, it would be like the first and second album. You know, especially the second album because mm. that's the purest. That's Carter at its yeah, ultimate yeah. Carter mm. Carterness. Yeah. It doesn't mean it's got the best songs on it or no. the best lyrics or anything like that, but just. Everything else that's tied up into it, the reaction to it, and it's the time that it came out means that it is the kind. So I, I sort of accept that. I sort of accept that yes, that, yeah. that that album I did in nineteen ninety one is better than the four novels I've written and the, the fifteen albums I've done since. <laughs> I sort of know it is <laughs> yeah. kind of thing, yeah. and I don't. Mind, and I don't. Once to sort of once I realise that it, it doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't. I don't really. I don't. You know. No, I get what you're it's saying. It's annoying. Sorry, it is, yeah. it, sorry to, it is annoying when people immediately reference reference it. I mean, it happens to me a lot on mm. on Twitter, particularly, and I sort of joke about that in the, in the book. But I'm you know, so I'll say, sorry, I'll, I'll say, uh, I'll say, oh, you know, I've got I've got a new novel coming out this Thursday, and immediately someone will say, oh, do you remember that time you you punched Philip Schofield on television? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, okay, well, it's, it's, it's so quick. It was good, though. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> That's I mean, yeah, it's um, I think it, I mean, I don't I again, I don't really care. I mean, I looked at my my sort of it was it was a PRS day about sort of like three or four weeks ago. And I looked at my PRS statement and it's all from two songs that were written about 20, 20 years ago. Which one you was know, out of interest? Lenny Valentino and a song called Showgirl, which yeah. was the first, and it's first all time. from that. Um, is that true? Is that yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, there's a bunch of good, and even the stuff, the Black Box recorder stuff, which got, was sold more, yeah. um, and with actual hits, um, that, that's not even that's not played on the radio. So I don't I don't really care, you know. As long as you know, as long as some of it's making making some money, and so it doesn't really matter to me at all, you know. You know. Nice to know that also those songs are are living on though in a way, because they're timeless. Because they're timeless, see exactly, <laughs> like 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 both of your early albums, absolutely uh, yeah, timeless. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but of course, you're both you're both writers, you're both authors as well. Jim, you're mentioning it that you've written four books previously, I think. Uh, yeah, four novels, four novels, another autobiography, and now this one. Yeah. So is that something that you were doing alongside making music, or did you sort of? Leave music for a bit and think I, I'm going to uh, write. Well, the first, the f- when I wrote the first uh, Carter book, I did that kind of after you know after Carter had split up, and then when I was sort of in between things, yeah, and it seemed like uh, I just started doing it. So I had no intention of writing books at all, and it was only because I wrote that, and then it came out, and I thought, oh, that looks nice. <laughs> that was cherry. Re- that was cherry red right. again because yeah. nobody wanted to publish it at all. No, no one was interested. I had sort of like one publisher. One publisher suggested turning it into a novel, you know, and uh, which ironically, since then, they've suggested turning my novels into <laughs> any excuse to not, to, not, yeah. to not do any work. Yeah. But, um, you know, after that, that's such a thrill to, to have an actual book come out yeah. that I made me write another one, and that, you know, that turned out to be a novel. And then after that, I ended up getting, I got an agent, so I. Uh, not, I didn't deliberately look for one. I was approached by one, you know. So then I wrote another one, and mm. then it kind of snowballed in it very, very slowly. Because you obviously enjoy it as well. No, I absolutely. <laughs> I, I don't enjoy it at all. I, I enjoyed. I enjoyed writing the the last book. I, the novels I I struggle with. Right. I sort okay. of. I kind of. I don't know why I do it. Do you know what I mean? Apart, apart, I mean, I'm sort of. Well, to see it on the shelf. That's apparently. It, yeah, that's yeah. the only thing. You know, it's it's a kind of. Uh, it's not for my entertainment, it's for everybody else. Yeah. It's, it's a very, it's a very mm. selfless act. But I honestly don't. I did at first. I, I loved doing it at first. And I was, I'd get up early in the morning. I'd straight away start writing and stay up late at night. But now it's sort of, you know, anything to avoid doing it. You know? So I really don't, you know, I don't, in, I don't enjoy it at all. <laughs> Good man. I Good love chat. that honesty. Yeah. <laughs> and Luke, you you had uh, a couple of books published back 2010, 2012. Yeah. Do you remember? Was there as a, a bigger moment as Jim when when your book appeared on the shelves? Um, um, God, I don't. Uh, it's difficult to say, really. Um, I mean, I <laughs> I would say that I enjoyed writing the first one, and then I think the novelty wore off a bit. And I didn't really enjoy writing the second one that much. And I haven't bothered writing one since. <laughs> no, I was going to ask whether there was something else coming. Because it it's quite hard work. And there's another thing that it's, it's, it's even worse than making albums, in a way. Because when you make an album, you're kind of, you're kind of hidden away and you, you're recording and you mix it for ages. I'm mixing an album at the moment. So I go out to the pub and see people I know and whatnot and they say, you know, so what, what have you been doing? I'm mixing the and I see them, like, um, you know, six weeks later. <laughs> I'm mixing the album. What if you, you know? Is it not finished? Yet? You know, it's like what else we've done? I haven't done anything. I've just mixed it. And when you do a book, it's even worse because <laughs> what have you been doing? I've been writing the book, and you actually haven't. It feels like you've done nothing yeah, with your life. Yeah. Weirdly, 
it does it feels like your your life is kind of vanishing before your eyes yeah. a little bit, you know. And the people you live with, yeah. even even though they know you've been doing something, they think you've been doing nothing as well. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. they, you know, because they've been doing you know gardening or whatever. Yeah, because you've just been sitting. Obviously, in I, don't, a room. I mean, I, I think neither of us want to sound. Well, I'm, I, 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 we don't wish to speak for Jim, but I, I don't want to sound sound ungrateful. The fact that it is obviously quite. It, it's you know, it's obviously something that people would love to get the opportunity to write books. I think it's quite honest and refreshing to. To have you say that, both of you, you know, because I feel a bit bad now. I think I went too far. It was, no, I mean, that was good. It encouraged me to kind of go a bit further as well. Because I think, so good. I think a lot of authors would would not necessarily say the same thing, but you know, I don't think anyone's honestly sat, sat there thinking, "Oh, I loved every minute of writing my novel, my book, my memoir." You know, because it's it's quite a hard task, and also, I guess, and I, I could be wrong here. When you're making an album, as you sort mm. of uh, mentioned there, Luke, you know you're you're working on ideas that you might have picked up or worked on over a series of months or years, yeah. you know, mm. and you've sort of had time to put all those down mm. and and mm. got the little snippets, and then you go in and you sort of make make the album. And whereas I guess writing, it's like blank sheet, off you go, <laughs> and that's maybe a bit uh, more daunting. Yeah. yeah, I think so. I think so, the thought of the thought of having to sort of Fill out two hundred yeah. pages. Yeah, it's uh, quite. With music, you sort of. I find that I, that I know if it's good. Yeah, absolutely. And I you think yeah. that's all right, and yeah. then you can play it to someone, and they, yeah, that's good. Yeah, or whatever. Yeah. With you know, with a book, you think like all the way through. You're thinking, is this any good? Yeah. You know, and a year passes. And then and then and then you finally show it to someone, and they say, "Well, you know," <laughs> and yeah. then they read it in like you know, in two hours, and tell you why why it isn't any good. <laughs> I mean, I should also say I don't really consider. I mean, I know Jim's written written some fiction, but I don't really consider myself to be an author because um, I've just knocked out a couple of memoirs. Mm. Uh, that, that's that. I think kind of people. I think you know. I think you know, you're a writer. Give a yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. I can write stuff. I write stuff, but I'm not an author. <laughs> I struggle with it as well, to be honest with the author. But then again, I've never thought of myself as a musician, which is <laughs> so I always feel a bit. Oh, we're not really a musician because <laughs> because I don't. You know, all, I couldn't. Yeah. I couldn't jam. I, all, oh no! But you wouldn't want to anyway. No, I wouldn't want to. Horrible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> never been asked, Jim. No, no. no I, I did a thing on Radio Two once. Uh, jamming. Do you remember that years ago? That was like a long a time ago. Comedy yeah. in inverted commas. Um, unless you're involved in it, in which case it was hilarious, uh, kind of comedy musical thing, and everybody on it was well, they were all like great musicians, mm. and I just thought, how am I going to? Because I couldn't mind, I couldn't, I couldn't bluff it because it was on the radio. Oh, God, so yeah. you know, just, just, I don't know, I don't know how I got through that because everybody <laughs> would, yeah, do it in, do it in E flat, change yeah. it, to, and I thought, what, what's, how do you do yeah, that? Yeah, you know, I don't yeah. know. Are you both big readers then? Obviously, you've you've both written, but are you quite? fanatical about books or do you dip in <laughs> it's very tempting isn't it to make, to make to do the office joke what, about i hate books yeah exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. no that's not true i've never read a book yeah. no again, is again. this a book podcast <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I can't read i can't read novels because they're because they're about made up people yeah. who was it who said that it was not gallagher said that wasn't probably <laughs> Liam gallagher, yeah. one of them yeah. about what about made up people oh i can't yeah you know so, that's oh, great yeah something like that anyway yeah. which is sort of insane to me I like I tend to, I tend to read um I tend to read sort of biography um I tend to read sort of probably about three biography to one fiction because mm, okay. that makes sense if I'm on a, if I'm reading it also depends on what I'm doing if I'm recording an album 
then I tend to read quite a lot because it sort of takes my mind off it and tend to read something that's completely different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then if I'm if I'm not doing it, if I'm doing something else, uh, one of the other whatever activities yeah. I'm <laughs> meant to do, um, uh, if I'm sort of you know practicing my pole vaulting or something like that, I then I, I tend not to read. <laughs> if you know what I mean. Um, but would you read a, a musical biography when you were? Mixing an album, for example, or would you stay I'm away? Bit, I'm, t- I'm, I'm a bit off musical biog- right. biographies, to be honest. I've read quite a lot of them. Yeah. Uh, and um, I don't know. Uh, I, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think of the last decent one I read. I haven't really read a good one for a long time. I read the the, um, the, the, the Cozy Fanny Tootie one from Throbbing Gristle was quite a good book, but I thought not for the reasons that other people thought it was good. I thought it was really good when Genesis P. Orridge kept on popping up as this awful person, this terrible sort of pantomime villain. But she was sort of like sort of some boring sort of like middle-aged housewife throughout it. It was really dreary. But then he kept on coming up and doing awful stuff and like doing these awful scams to really like rip everyone off for about, you know, 35 quid or something. And that's the bit you enjoyed. That was great. He was great, yeah. He was, it was, that was really funny. But um, that was the last music book I sort of read. I think it probably put me off for a bit. Um, mm. yeah. Oh, Jim Bob, you, you'd have to give him yours so that he can be put yeah, back yeah. on again. I, yeah. Yeah. I'm terrified of, of the thought of that. Give <laughs> 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 my book to, to Luke Haynes. Scares me. Good luck with that. So what, uh, what, what do you tend to go to I, for your reading? I read, I've always got a novel on the go that I'm reading. So uh, depending yeah. how long it takes me to... I only really read it. I tend to read it in bed. Mm. So how long it takes before I fall asleep. But I can't sort of the thought of uh, if I haven't got a, if I'm getting near the end of a book and I haven't got another one to read, I get a bit panicky. I have to you got know, to know what's coming got next. To buy another one, or yeah. you know, and it mm. tends to be new. A lot of American, in fact, almost exclusively American fiction oh, is right. what okay. I read. Yeah, I read a lot of American fiction. Usually the grim sort of. I like that kind of uh, almost dreary stuff, which is just you know, it's just about a bloke who gets up in the morning and then, very matter of factly, his. Yeah wife gets run over or something and then and he shoots his horse and it's just that kind of thing and then it kind of ends at some point you've you've read or that you're I I just love that sort of that sort of stuff what's what's give me some authors that you've that you you like reading uh, Kent Harriff Kent Harris, uh, mm-hmm. Cormac McCarthy. Yeah, I was going to say that does sound like Cormac McCarthy. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he he's, he's, he's the really, he's the really sort of <laughs> yeah. terrifying end of it. Uh, um, oh God. You've put me on the spot. I know. I, know. I hate. Do you know what? Um, I do this to people, and I it's it's what I hate as one, well. People one say that that to one me. of my favourite authors. I could never remember his name, and he's a he's a musician as well, from uh, Richmond Fontaine. And I can oh Willie Vlautin. Oh yeah, like, he's yeah, probably yeah. like my uh, favourite author at, at the moment, and his books are kind of like very much like that, very sort of you know matter of fact. Matter of fact. And yeah. I don't know if I'd like them if they were if they were Ooh. set in England or or Britain. Yeah. I don't know if it's because they're in America that it's. Uh, there must be a reason why it's you know, why I like American authors. I quite like going to. Um, I don't know if this is a, a sad thing or not, but I quite like going to places where those authors used to write. I'm thinking specifically about people like like Raymond Chandler or, or Hemingway or something, because there's particular bars and places, certainly mm. in California and New York, where they used to go. And um, a Duke Street Hotel in in London is where mm. I think. In Fleming used to write, and there's I just like going there and you know ordering a drink and sitting and and sometimes taking their book and I just mm, have a mm. sort of not even if I I don't necessarily even read it there but just right. have that sort of yeah. um, 
this happened there or Cafe the inspiration Nero, came Palace if you want to get the Jim Bob experience oh good that's good do you know what I, that, I was going to ask <laughs> Cafe Nero Crystal Palace is my next stop <laughs> no booze there though sadly because I you know I do like to bring your own yeah, yeah. <laughs> well I'll order a coffee and put yeah. something I'm in always, it maybe. I'm always so off my face on heroin by the time I start <laughs> writing yeah, yeah, I yeah. don't need a drink yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so we're going to get to the book off very shortly uh, before we do mm. I just wondered which um, titles you've decided to bring to pitch to us Jimbo what, what have you brought I've, I've got a What is the What which is a, a novel by Dave Eggers What it says is on the, the What it says on the front and it cover. says it on the front cover <laughs> and what about you Luke what have you brought uh, I, well I haven't brought it in with me but I have, I have the novel I've chosen uh, the uh, memoir uh, autobiography I've chosen is uh, Kinski Uncut by Klaus Kinski Right, okay. And uh, for anyone who hasn't listened to the podcast before, this is where each of our guests is going to get three minutes on the clock to uh, tell us about a book that they absolutely love, why they love it, and why they think we should all read it. And we'll do that very shortly. But before we get to the book off, I wanted to mention another podcast that you might like. It's good to share the love, isn't it? Good to share. Um, Some of you may already know the brilliant columnist, host and writer Damien Barr, but what you may not know is that his literary salon where some of the world's best writers share new books and reveal their stories, has a podcast too. Damien's Literary Salon's main home is the Savoy in London, but it's also available for your listening pleasure at home. Some of his past guests include Mary Beard, Armistead Maupin and Rose McGowan, and I highly recommend it. So just look out for Damien Barr's Literary Salon on iTunes or SoundCloud, and to find out more about their events, you can check out theliteraryalon.co.uk. It's a very good listen. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. So then, to the book off, gents. Um, <clears throat> I have here, as you've already noted, uh, mm. a couple of uh, my props. In fact, my father, who's a, a big fan of this podcast, and actually thought that perhaps I put sound effects in and didn't know that these mm. actually existed until he saw them in the flesh recently. Mm. So he's very, um, he's very excited to know mm. that they are actually real. Um, Surprised you bring the whole bicycle in just, you yeah. just remove the, <laughs> hey. just remove the That's how I get here. That's how I get here. <laughs> yeah. um, so we have and to the decide. Whole far end as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> we have to decide 
who goes first and who goes second and who is going to be honked and who is going to be rung out. So, Jimbo, would you like to go first or second? I have no preference. That's that's helpful. <laughs> I, don't, I don't mind going first. I mean, I have no preference about the, the things. <laughs> about the thing. Well, you, then you'll go first. I don't mind. You will go I'll, first. I'll set the bar low. Which means, Jim, you get to Thank choose your that. weapon. <laughs> uh, can I have the... Uh... <laughs> you can have the... Ha- <laughs> Excellent. So, <clears throat> I'm going to put three minutes on the clock. And... Who'd have thought? All those years ago. Know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's over to you, Luke, to tell us about Kinski Uncut. Kinski Uncut. Okay. Kinski Uncut is the memoir or the unreliable memoir, unreliable autobiography of the uh, great German actor Klaus Kinski. It was published in 1986, I believe, um, under the title. Now, this this is a bit, this is where it gets a little bit kind of confusing. Um, it, there's many there's many sources that claim it was it was published under the title All You Need Is Love um, but there are many sources that claim it was published under the title Kinski Uncut what did happen is that uh, as soon as it was published it caused a sensation in Germany where Kinski is uh, a kind of much like sort of Gansborg is a, uh, was a sort of uh, a national treasure in uh, France uh, Klaus Kinski was a national treasure in Germany um, perhaps sort of just less so here May- maybe mo- known more for uh, his films with Herzog uh, Aguirre Fitzcarraldo Nosferatu um, and uh it was taken out of publication because it offended so many people, um, mainly his own family, um, and um, particularly uh, there was a there was a lawsuit from Marlene Dietrich, uh, uh, where Kinski um, graphically describes um, a, a, sort of a lesbian encounter, which for some reason he was um, privy to uh, between Marlene and whoever her uh, lover was at the time. Now. Uh, it's a book that I kind of I I recommend this book to people. I have to say, to read um, partly because it's terrifying. Um, it's one of the most demented books ever written. Uh, you can you can dip into almost. I was having a quick look at it before I came here, or you can dip into pretty much any page, and it's hardcore pornography. Um, uh, uh, and he's not fussy. Uh, let's put it put it that way. Um, it's you know uh, animals. Um, okay, animals, uh, inanimate objects are all all part of Kinski's lust. Um, uh, it's it's uh, an energetic kick, I would say, in an energetic attack on all morality. Um, it's utterly demented. Uh, it's, the, it's the most damaging autobiography you could actually write about yourself. Um, if you wanted to sort of destroy your life, this is the book you would write. Uh, weirdly, I kind of, when I wrote my own first book, I kind of picked it as a sort of template of, of sort of like, well, you can always go this far, but you don't have to go this far. Um, it's uh, it's back in print now. I, I think it, it contains uh, all the kind of uh, expurgated versions uh, are all bound together. So all the kind of litigious stuff. Um, he, he lavishes um, hostility on Werner Herzog throughout, but Herzog claims that he actually co-wrote it with Kinski. Um, so you decide. Oh, wow. wow. <laughs> Brought it in just on time there. Look, wow. Yeah. Lots to 
discuss yeah. there, which that, we will. That's not a low bar, that's a high bar. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> How do you feel, Jim, now? You feel like... Oh, well, it's a, it's a book about... Uh... <laughs> uh, that was Fab Luke. We'll, we'll come back and talk oh. a bit more about that. Um, but first, we put three minutes back on the clock okay. for you, Jim, to tell us about what is the what. Okay, uh, what is the what? Um, when I read it, it was called What is the What, but I recently, I think it's been it's been slightly changed. It's now called What is the What, the autobiography of, of Valentino Acek Dane, which I had to write down, and I'm probably pronouncing wrong, uh, because it's kind of, because uh, it's, it's written as though it's an autobiography, so it's in, in his, in Valentino Acek Dane's voice, voice, but uh, it's actually written by Dave Eggers. Um, so, and it's, so it's a true story, and it's about, uh, it, it's essentially about a boy I think he's he doesn't even he's not even sure how old he is himself. So he's like either eight, nine, or ten throughout the sort of book. And he basically uh, he's in a village in uh, in Sudan in the middle in the middle of sort of various wars that are going on, and it's attacked by uh, villagers attacked by um uh, like Arab militia, and they kill most of the people. And he he escapes, and him along with a load of other boys basically sort of uh, walk a thousand miles. <laughs> sounds like a proclaimer. So I'm just, I'm just they walk a thousand miles to to, to get to a, a refugee camp in Ethiopia, and so along the way he um, sort of encounters things like lions and crocodiles and uh, you know sort of various soldiers trying to kill them all the time. And these are little kids, you know, it's, and it's so it's kind of it's it's terrifying, sort of and a horrific whole thing. But uh, and. Um, all, all, so all that stuff's going on, and he, you know, there's one point I think he eats bits of wood because they have to sort of just find food wherever. So it's, um, but it, but it's it starts off. It's, it's in the sort of present day because he, uh, spoiler alert, he makes it. To, he get, he ends up in America as part of a Lost Boys program where they sort of um, four thousand uh, boys came to came, were allowed to come into America. Imagine that now, come to America, and. Uh, so he's in his Atlanta apartment. I think he's at university by then. He's so he's sort of grown up, and he gets uh, burgled. And these these uh, people get into his into his apartment and kind of beat him up and steal his stuff. And I think he starts to think that he you know he he wishes he was back in his in his village. And that sets him off sort of telling the story about his sort of uh, you know miraculous sort of journey across across um, across this thousand miles to to this uh, refugee camp. Um, so it's kind of a story of survival, and, and the fact that it's 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 a novel, but it's also non-fiction as well. So it's, you know, it appeals to uh, to whatever you you know whatever you're into the most. Both of those will be satisfied. And uh, I mean, and since then he's you know the money, if you want to buy it, the money goes to uh, to fund schools in in the Sudan, and uh, so you know you can feel good about that. Good about reading it, and I think the and since then he's become like the um, I think he's the, the minister for education, the, the the boy in it in in uh, South I think it's South Sudan, um, so yeah, and I, I've recommended it to loads of people. My my daughter always buys it for people, so yeah, buy it. What is it? Wow, another great book and another brilliant pitch. Um, I love both of those. Luke, if I can come back to, to yours, mm. because I was not really knowing what to expect there, having not read this. Oh, and, you're not, right. Okay, and yeah. no, the <laughs> just <laughs> just some of the things that came out there in that yeah. pitch of, of it just being, you know, one of the most damaging books one person could write about themselves, mm. and yet he's done it, and then mm. dipping in every page, and it, it could, it's essentially like, well, it's very hardcore by the sounds of it. It you is, know. yeah. I mean, he's a bad, bad man. Mm. He's a really bad man. So you obviously don't you don't like him. 
Oh no, I do like him. Yeah, I think I think it's I think it's fine. I mean, I have there's, there's I mean, I think we live in a, a strange age where all art is supposed to come from a good place, and that which is a very kind of bourgeois idea, sort of kicked around from the Renaissance. You know, if you yeah. like, that art has to be, and that's not really the case. And he's just he's just this sort of unstoppable force. And I'm not saying he's I don't I don't. I don't. Uh, I wouldn't condone his. Who am I to condone anything? But uh, you know, you can't approve of what a lot of what he's doing. Um, and he has this monumental. Uh, I mean, the ego is is just is monstrous. Yeah. Um, and there's, there, he, he one one point he goes on. He does a one man show um, as Jesus Christ. Um, where he's like booed off by audiences. This is when he's already a huge star in in Germany, and he just does this one man show. And uh, there's there's there is meant to be a film of this because I've seen footage of this going around. But there's there's meant to be a documentary about it, um, and it's incredible. And he's just you know he just takes on he'll take on a thousand people. I mean, he's nuts. Yeah, nuts. It's great. I mean, no one is like that. No, anymore. no, no, no. There's no one like it. And actually, no one has probably documented it quite like that as well, I would think. No, but it's all, I mean, another thing, I mean, it is, again, it's unreliable because, as I said, just as, as the time was finishing, that Herzog, uh, in, there's a film that they made together, well, that Herzog made after Kinski's death called mm. My Best Fiend, which is about his relationship with Kinski. Um because uh, he event Kurtzog pulled a gun on um, Kinski on set, I think during Fitzcarraldo, because he had enough of his antics. Oh, um, and Kinski was often carrying a gun around anyway. Um, and uh, Kurtzog actually claims in in the documentary that he helped write Kinski, helped write some of the best insults that Kinski came up with against himself. Right. Because there's lots of stuff about, you know, oh, God, here comes Herzog again. He smells like shit. You know, he dresses like a, he dresses like a fucking tramp, all this sort of stuff, you know. You know, he's not worthy of my the air that I breathe, all this kind of stuff. And, and Herzog claims he wrote that stuff. We'll never know, because no. Kinski's dead. But um, there are a lot of issues with, with the book, um, obviously from various... Sources. Yes, yes, of course, <laughs> of course, but that yeah. doesn't necessarily make it uh, change that it's a very good read, I it's, imagine. It's a very good read, yes, we can say that. And uh, Jim, another great pitch, uh, Dave Eggers, obviously an, an absolutely brilliant writer. One thing that struck me straight away, as soon as you said it, I sort of went, really? Is that you said the funds go to schools in Sudan, which is a pretty amazing thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, because I appreciate it sold, sold quite a lot of copies. So, I'm sure, you know, I'm sure it's like, it did. Well, I mean, it's, it's not like me saying, mm. you know, the funds <laughs> no, from, from, I'm sure it's from my books. I'm sure it's recouped its own uh, albums purely for charity. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's very, you know, it's a very easy thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> but this interesting idea of, of, of being written like a biography, and yeah. yet it's. I mean, he's done, it, he's done it with a couple of. Uh, he did it with uh, his book that came out after, because he seems to write a lot of books. I mean, I sort of have. I sort of question whether he writes all the books because he seems... I mean, obviously he does, but <laughs> he seems to... There seems to be a lot of books and he runs a publishing company and various mm. sort of uh, social sort of charity things that he does. But but he'll just, you know, oh, there's another Dave Eggers book coming and it'll be something completely different or it'll be a kid's book or something yeah. or a mm. book of recipes or something. Um, so he's, he's done at least... He's done three of these sort of... You know, where you're not really sure whether they're novels or because they're you know they're about actual fact, they're, they're factual, yeah, but they're kind of written like they're novels. And he's just well, I think he's just a a great and prolific writer. Yeah, actually, I, I mean that's why I try like the first, not in any way saying it's anywhere near, but the first 
Carter, but when I tried writing that, I, I found it really dull because it was all, you know, oh, we turned up with our guitars and, you know, so that sort of, <laughs> yeah. I didn't want to get into that, uh, that sort of, you know, talking about equipment and stuff like that. Mm. Uh, and it was, ba- it was basically dull. And then I read his uh, heartbreaking work of Staggering Genius, which is his memoir. I think it's his, I don't know if it's his first book, but. It's early though, isn't it? It's early. It's yeah, early I think, yeah. And, it, and it's sort of, it's a bit, it's all over the place, you know, the back of it's upside down and he kind of, some of it's a novel, some of it isn't. And I realised that, you know, that, that, that was a way of doing it, you know. Well, as is the way of the podcast, I've got to choose one to take home with me. So both, both brilliant pictures, as I said, um, I haven't read that particular Dave Eggers, although I've read quite a lot of his, so I'm very intrigued to read it. Um, it's the best one. It's the best one. It's the best one. So, he's, so Jim says, I um, I will probably go ahead and read it. I, I'm going to take home Kinski Uncut today okay. b- for the sheer fact that... You like bestiality? I really like <laughs> bestiality. I like an, an animate object. Yeah. Um, but I'm just so intrigued by it, I yeah. think, and... And I need to sort of read it to mm. believe it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. Not sure if I'm going to like it, but I feel uh, like your, I. I want your, jaw, to... your jaw will be on the floor. I yeah. can guarantee that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I yeah. bet. Yeah. Um, but I'll probably end up reading that that Eggers as well. Like you said, there, Jim. There's so many of them, aren't there, to get through? So yeah, you know, I've got to. Yeah. I've got to give people should probably buy the Eggers one because the money at least goes to well, that's yeah. rather, than, <laughs> rather than like Kinski's. Yeah. Let's not give the Kinski's. Let's get Kinski out the library and yeah, let's, yeah, and let's yeah. buy yeah. the Dave Eggers yeah, yeah. because you know we want that's to give the money to sit down. Kind of. <laughs> that's a compromise, isn't it? Yeah, it's good yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kinski wouldn't like it, but uh, you know, well, he, he's, he's, he's dead. It doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> Jim Bob's autobiography <laughs> in the shadow of my former self is out now, and you can see him on tour throughout the UK in October, doing four dates in October. October. Yeah, four dates. Yeah, just you, just uh, me. I'll, I'll have a band. Oh, you got so, the band, this which time. is which is unusual for me. Excellent. Yeah, there's four dates. Two of them are sold out. Two of them aren't. Oh, so which I'll, ones aren't? I'd say if you live in uh, Glasgow or Brighton, those are the ones you want to go to. Glasgow or Brighton, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Um, and Luke Kane's album, I sometimes dream of glue, which came out last year, is obviously out now. And these are both on Cherry Red. And you're working on another, or have you mixed this album that you're talking about? No, I'm just like watching Doctors right <laughs> after those the next five years. I don't care anymore. <laughs> but we'll, we'll see in a couple yeah, of yeah. years what's exactly. happened. Yeah, that, I mean, I think in. The, you know, like Netflix and Amazon Prime <laughs> and Now TV. Mm-hmm. If those were around years ago, there would have been no Charles Dickens yeah. or Shakespeare. No, no, no music. No, 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 no of course not. No. <laughs> no. Well, it's been a great spending an afternoon with you. Thank you both for coming in, for sharing your books and stories. And uh, yeah, let's go get a, let's go get a drink. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.